Thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Today, Pastor Matt preaches a message called The Dream Expert as we celebrate Bethlehem's five-year anniversary. Let's jump in. Genesis chapter 37, verse 19. Genesis chapter 37, verse 19. What time we got? 10.53? They told me I had to be done by 11.15. <laughs> no, no, we're going we're gonna to make it happen. The title of today's message is The Dream Expert. The Dream Expert. Let's read this verse, Genesis 37, verse 19. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes the dream expert. Oh, look, here comes the dream expert. Does anybody know what story this is in Scripture? Does anybody remember, Rob? You know, who, who's this about? Joseph. It's about Joseph. We'll talk about Joseph a little bit today and how he relates to our story, how he relates to Jesus. There's some interesting things here. Uh, but I often say when people ask me, how are you doing, Pastor Matt? Does anybody know what I say typically? I'm living the dream. And when I thought about what am I going to preach on the five-year anniversary, we just ended 1 Corinthians uh, we'll start 2 Corinthians next week, but I just wanted to kind of preach a topical message today, and I thought about that. The Lord put that thought on my heart, like I'm living the dream, literally, and I thought, well, what about that scripture where Joseph was coming? It'll probably be my next tattoo, uh, but where, where Joseph was coming, and he, he was despised by his brothers, and he said, oh, look, and I love the way the CSB interprets it. The King James is a little different, so when I was reading the, the CSB, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Here comes the dream expert. It's almost more, uh, you know, sarcastic, if you will, the way they were saying, oh, here's the dream expert, and we'll talk about that story, but when the Lord lays something on your heart and calls you to something, it is inescapable. How many would agree? When the Lord puts something or places something on your heart, and you know that it's there, and you know that it's from him, it's inescapable. Every time you turn, and maybe, I mean, if you're like me, at times we try to escape it. At times, the Lord uh, will, will give us a calling or put something on our lives, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> no. I, that's a phenomenal idea, but maybe in a few years, maybe down the road, maybe, maybe you're nervous or, uh, you know, uh, have some apprehension towards what the Lord is calling you to do. But honestly, like, what, what we have to understand is when the Lord puts something on our heart, it is inescapable. We have to embrace it. Living a life, listen, uh, it, it is often, I'll say this, it is often like living out a dream. And when I say living a dream, I, I mean that, but I mean it kind of in a different context. So to pull back the curtain a little bit, living a life of dreams is not what the world thinks it is, and Joseph himself could attest to that. When I say I am living a dream, I mean it. It's not that my life is so perfect, it's that he is making me perfect as I walk in the light. If the world hears, yeah, you're living the dream, they immediately associate what you're doing with what you love to do. And the fact that you're doing exactly what you want, and I'm going to know that sometimes living for God is not exactly what you want to be doing. Sometimes it's actually very difficult, and it is more like a what? Nightmare. It's not a dream at times. So how do we reconcile this thing? If you look at Joseph's life, here comes the dream expert. Here comes the one who has the interpretation or knows why things happen. If we put it in that context, 
Was his life really a dream? Was it really a dream? As we will talk about it. Not really. The point is, is that we are being made perfect as we walk in the light. Genesis 37, 10 through 11. Joseph, I'll tell you a little bit about the story. There's, a, a, there's some incredible parallels between him and Jesus. But we're talking about uh, Jacob. We're talking about, uh, and if you think about the children of Israel, this family, right, this nation that the Lord chose to bring about really everything, to bring about Jesus, to bring about this plan. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Israel, right? And Israel uh, came and, and kind of uh, goes into the church, right? But we have roots there, and we see that all throughout the New Testament. Well, this family uh, was made up of 12 tribes, and it seems interesting, but uh, the, the man Jacob, who had these 12 sons, he had favorites. You know, when, when you think about, how many of you, you know who your favorite is? <laughs> Yes, I love it. I love it when parents just embrace, and they're like, oh, yep, sure do. <laughs> totally have favorites. Uh, and then she pats her on the leg. No. <laughs> but it, it's funny, like, when parents have favorites, and, and many of you children, I can see that you weren't the favorite. Many of you. Your faces just hung in sorrow. But those of you that are the favorite, you know who you are. You just, you're, you've got this big smile on your face. You're like, yes, yes, it happens, yes. They're our favorites. Well, well, let me explain to you. In this story, Jacob had favorites that were from his specific wife. Aren't you glad we live in New Testament times and that we don't have complicated uh, sister wives like those poor Mormon brothers and sisters? I mean, my goodness. I can't imagine. I got enough to say grace over with one and what I have. And with my children, I can't imagine having multiple. But back in that day, maybe for posterity, I'm not sure. They had multiple wives. But Jacob had his favorite. And the sons that, that, that she gave him were his favorite sons. And guess what? Everybody else in the family knew it. Everybody else in the family knew that Joseph and Benjamin were the favorites. And so uh, when Joseph came around, it was like, oh, yeah, here's Joseph. And then to add insult to injury, Joseph starts getting these dreams. Joseph starts uh, seeing these visions and, and these dreams. I'll just kind of like give you the, the synopsis because I have to be done in 15 minutes. But the, the point is, is uh, he sees these stars that fall down to the other stars. And there were usually 12 in the vision because there were 12 brothers. And so he sees all the other 11 bowing down to him. And Joseph is like, guys, guess what? Obviously, he's younger. I know what's going to happen. I had a dream. All of you are going to end up working for me one day. Isn't that great? Okay, shut your mouth, Joseph. <laughs> Do not talk. Get the duct tape. They had duct tape back then. They did. I mean, consider that. Not only is he the favorite, but he rubs it in. You know what I mean? This is really hot coffee. I'm scared. Okay, good. I got a sip. A few minutes ago, I was like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? Anyway, it's like Dunkin' Donuts. It's like they put it in a, a, a vat of boiling coffee in the back, and then they just, like, siphon it out. I'm like, how do they get it that hot? It hurts. Anyway. So, anyway, back to the story, because I have 15 minutes. So, Joseph, essentially, he's the favorite. On top of him being the favorite, he starts having these dreams and visions. The dreams and visions are, guys, guess what? All of you, you're going to be working for me. They don't take it well. Can you imagine? Can you imagine not taking it well? Not only is this guy getting special clothes, the coat of many colors from dad, 
we're over here making our own living, trying to get our own clothes, and everything's handed to this little pipsqueak, and then he's going to come tell me that I'm going to be working for him someday? Yeah, I don't think so. So check this verse out. Are you ready? You ready? Genesis 37, 10 through 11, he told his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this you've had, he said. Am I and your mother and brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, Scripture says, but his father kept this matter in his mind. Jacob loved Joseph and Benjamin more than the others, and he still had a rub with the dreams. Understand that even his father, who loved him more than any of the other ones, said, yo, pipe down, chill with the dream stuff. You can, when we have our little like favorite sons thing, like in the back of the house when everybody else is out working, then you can tell me about it. Shh, don't tell them these dreams. Even his dad was like, that's not going to go over well with your brothers. Do you see, do you get the picture of what's happening? Even his dad. So here's where the Lord just started speaking to me through this story this week. Family and friends can at times be a barrier to the work that the Lord has called you to do. Listen, church. Family and friends, I need some, some Steves. James is filling in the, the, the gap. I need some Steves and some Amys because they're in Jamaica. Hi, I love you. God bless you. I thought it was Oregon. The trip got canceled. Got you. No, uh, but the, the, <laughs> the point is this, is even, even family and friends sometimes, the Lord clearly laid something on Joseph's heart. The Lord clearly said to Joseph in a dream, this is what I have for you. And his family said, no, I don't think so. No, I'm not okay with bowing down to you. No, I'm not okay with, with this setup that you think is going to work and going to play out. Listen, what has the Lord laid on your heart? And now I'm not talking about like you're actually a snot-nosed kid that doesn't do anything and you thumb your nose. You're going to end up, I'm going to tell on you. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Like the Lord literally had a plan and a vision and his family was not okay with it. Many of you are first-generation Christians. Many of you have have followed the Lord in this thing of salvation, in this thing of simply Jesus, and your family doesn't understand it. They're going, you're doing what? And here's where you really get them. You're giving your money to the church? You could have so many more things. But then you get this vision of what the Lord is doing in your heart, and those things become less important. Those visions become more vivid and more clear, and you see that, oh my goodness, God is actually doing something in my life. I had a dream. I had a dream, anyway. And, and that dream is coming to fruition. Hey, at times, friends and family can be a barrier to those dreams. Maybe this is something that you want to start, something that you want to do, that the Lord has laid on your heart, and you know it. You know it. You would bet every dollar in your bank account. You know that God has called you to this thing. But you have those in your life that are saying, no, there's no way God would do this. Hey, do you see that friction with Joseph? Do you see the story here where even his family were coming against him? But here's what I love about barriers. I'm about to get happy. I'm going to tell you right now. If you have children, muffle their ears. <laughs> here's what I love about barriers. How many see that his friends and his family were a barrier to the dream that God has? Here's what I love about barriers. Joseph's brothers, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but I'll give you just a little piece of it. Joseph's, because I have to be done here in, in nine minutes. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but seriously. Joseph, Joseph's brothers sold him into the very place the Lord needed Joseph to be. Just in a nutshell, understand this. 
His brothers hated him so much. He, they hated the dream so much that literally a caravan from Egypt, slave masters, if you will, were coming by. And they took their brother and they sold him into slavery and they staged an attack and told his father that he died uh, by an animal. An animal ate him. I mean, it sounds like the dog ate the homework. You know what I mean? They take his coat that only Joseph had and they dipped it in, in blood and they showed his father, look, Joseph is dead. An animal killed him. But really, his brothers, the 10, not Benjamin, sold him into slavery. Can you imagine this, this feeling that he had? The Lord gave me this dream. The Lord gave me this vision. I know. Imagine being Joseph. Imagine knowing, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Lord was working in his life. But then his brothers say, uh, no, I'm not going to serve you, and I'm going to sell you into slavery. I'm going to sell you into bondage. Many would say, I cannot believe they did that. I cannot believe the barrier to the dream. I can't believe the barrier to what God was doing. But listen to me. Joseph's brothers sold him into the very place the Lord needed Joseph to be. You see, here's what was happening. On the horizon was a famine. The Lord had Israel, uh, this family of Jacob, which was the family of Abraham and Isaac, the very family that would bring Jesus, simply Jesus, to this earth. He was a Jew. He would come from this nation. That very nation would have died if it hadn't been for Joseph being sold into slavery. You see, here's the thing. The famine came. Who had the resources? Egypt. Egypt had the resources. Not Jacob. Without Joseph's connection to Egypt, their family would have starved. But that's not, that's not all. <laughs> he sold, think about this. this. This man is sold into slavery. He gets to his new house. He works, look, he's a good guy. He's a good worker. He gives it all he's got. Even though he's uh, not in the best of positions, right? Sold into slavery by your brothers. That could be kind of a downer, you think? You think? Just when you think you're having a bad day, my brother staged my death and sold me for 30 pieces of silver. It's a bad day. But he worked hard and he kept going. And Potiphar's house, think about it, this place where he landed into slavery, then Potiphar's wife was like, dude, Joseph, that dude is cute, shoot. <laughs> I'm about to have me a servant snack, shoot. You think, I mean, the, it's in the Bible. I'm not trying to be risque. I know we have children here, but it's in the scriptures. And Joseph says, no, I'm not going to dishonor my master. And she stays on him, stays on him, stays on him. Not only was his death staged and sold into slavery by his brothers, his boss's wife stages an affair and says, Joseph attacked me. He's like, round two. First, I'm dead. Now, I'm raping the boss's wife. This is crazy. Potiphar takes him and throws him into where? into prison. He's, what a dream. What a dream. I got a dream. Sold into slavery. I got a dream. Thrown into prison. But when he's in prison, <laughs> he meets the baker and he meets the cupbearer. Two people that were also, there it is. <laughs> Lord bless you and keep you. Two people in prison that, with Joseph that were thrown there that had high up positions and jobs. And guess what they have? They have a dream. And Joseph has been dreaming since day what? 
since day one. Thank you. Joseph says, this is what I do. I'm the dream expert. My brother said so. (laughs) Can you imagine at what point would you have stopped dreaming? At what point would you have said, God, I'm done? At what point would you be like, I'm just going to keep my dreams to my what? To myself. Last time, I get sold into slavery. Then, you know what happened with the boss's wife. And nothing happened. You know what I'm saying. And then here I am. Well, the Lord's given me a calling. Here I am in prison in Egypt. I'll go ahead and interpret interpret their dreams. They have a dream, and they say, Joseph, what does this mean? And he says, well, you, you're going to be reinstated to Pharaoh's right hand. You're the cupbearer. He will trust you again. You will rise to prominence. The baker says, what about my dream? And he tells him the dream, and he says, you are going to be hanged and killed. All right, I don't believe this guy. I don't believe a word he's got to say. I mean, what does he know? He's here in prison with me, some dreamer. Little do we know, guess what? The cupbearer, his dream, the dream expert was right. He then takes his position at Pharaoh's right hand. The other guy is killed after three days. And what happens? The cupbearer forgets him. The cupbearer, Joseph tells him, says, look, I'm the dream expert. I'll tell you what the interpretation is. And when you get to that place, because Joseph knew what the interpretation is. When you get close to Pharaoh, remember the little people in prison. And what happens? He forgets. Joseph sits in prison for another two years. Another two years, Joseph sits there. First, I'm sold into slavery with a staged death. Then the boss's wife lies on me after I'm sold into slavery. Then I get thrown in prison. Then I I literally give the guy the interpretation of their dream. and, And what happens? He forgets about me as soon as he gets out of prison. But then, watch this, Pharaoh has a dream. And two years into that, Joseph being in prison at that right place, at that right time when Pharaoh dreams, the cupbearer comes to and he goes, wait a minute, Pharaoh. At what point can you make this stuff up? Literally, Joseph interpreted the dream of the man that would literally be on the right hand of the leader of really the world at this time. The famine is coming. He interprets the dream. There will be a shortage. But he only interprets the dream because the cupbearer tells Pharaoh, there's a Hebrew boy in prison that could give us the interpretation. Joseph goes from the prison, guess what, to the palace from the prison to the palace. And when he goes from the prison to the palace, he finds himself in prominence, and he finds himself interpreting more dreams, more visions, and that dream leads to, guess what? Running the source of food for everyone. And when the famine hit, guess where everybody had to come for food? Guess where everyone who wanted to survive had to come to get their their lunch money? Egypt. And guess who, because he was a dream expert, was running the whole show? You know by now? It was Joseph. But wait a minute. Let's go back. What about when he was sold in slavery? Here's what I want to share with you this morning. It's, It's a very simple message. When I'm thinking about five years, when I'm thinking about what the Lord is doing, it hasn't always been easy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Church work, it it hasn't always been easy. There are those that were here that aren't here today. Those are not easy things. They're harder things to walk through. Not as hard as this guy walked through. But here's what I want to share with you this morning. When you have a dream, when you have a vision, there will be barriers. 
And here is what I love about barriers. I'm saying it again. Joseph's brothers sold him into the very place the Lord needed Joseph to be. Some of you are despising the place that the Lord has you right now. You're despising it. You're saying this is nothing, but, but I'm, I'm a slave. I'm in this position that the Lord has me in. Where's the calling? Where's the dream? Where's the wonderful marriage that I was supposed to have? Where are the children that God was supposed to give me? Where is my ministry? Where is this job? Where is my posterity? Where is what God has for me? This is a mess. You've been sold into slavery. It's just a barrier, but don't give up on the dream. There's a few truths here that we have to understand, that we have to see that carry us through. And look, if this doesn't build your faith, I don't know what will. Sold into slavery, but sold into the exact place that the Lord needed him to be. Potiphar's wife lied on Joseph, but he lied right into the relationship with the very man that would be Pharaoh's right hand. The cupbearer forgets only to remember at the perfect timing for the perfect dream to be interpreted. Let me help you, church. The way we handle betrayal matters. Church, listen to what I'm saying. The way we handle betrayal matters. If Joseph would have been betrayed and said, that's it, I'm done with that relationship. If he would have handled that betrayal and said, I'll never speak to them again then he would have missed the entire purpose. The Lord wanted him in Egypt so that he could feed his family, so that his family would survive, so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem from that tribe. Oh my At some point, we gotta wake up, church, and see that this whole thing is one big web that the Lord is weaving for his purpose and his glory. And when you're betrayed, you can't let it stop you. You have to keep dreaming. You have to keep seeing and understand that, listen, that dream has a barrier that the Lord has for a purpose. Man, how you handle betrayal matters. You cannot be done with your family. You cannot be done with your coworkers. You cannot be done with those that throw you under the proverbial what? Bus. If you're a Christian, you have to see God's sovereignty in these situations. How you handle betrayal matters. If we as Christians could handle betrayal, I wonder, I wonder when we'd see the dream come to fruition a lot sooner. But the betrayal takes you out of the game. Am I telling the truth or no? Some of y'all are like, uh-uh. He said sold into slavery, done. He said betrayal, yeah, that happened years ago. I have to look out for me. I have to look out for me and mine. Church, this is not about us. Five years is not about us. Whatever the dream is that the Lord has for you, it's not about you. You're a part of it. How we handle betrayal matters. Church, the way we handle injustice matters. The way we handle injustice. Do you see any injustice in the way he was treated in Potiphar's house? Do you see it? You don't understand. I, I was mistreated. You, you don't understand. This isn't right. But God knows how you handle that matters. No one sees what I'm going through. God does. Don't forget the dream. Don't let this stop you. How you handle injustice matters. Number three, the way we handle the waiting matters. Two years in a prison. Two years in a prison. All I did was entire, all I did was what the Lord called me to do. Yes, and if you did what the Lord called you to do, then wait on the Lord. Because that's what happens when we wait, when we say, I know your promises are true. 
I know you haven't left me here in the prison to stay here and rot. I know I saw it. I know the dream and the vision says that I have a purpose with my life. Some of y'all are in a season of waiting, and how you handle that season matters. You hear me? How you handle that season, it matters. I just don't want to stay here anymore. Hey, guess what? That's not up to you, is it? Who's that up to? The Lord. How many need a promise right now to cling to in this season of waiting? How many feel like you just need encouragement to get through this season? The Lord gave you a dream and a vision, and you're struggling to see it come to fruition because those promises have faded. Let me help you with this. 1 John 3, 1 through 3, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. Somebody say amen. amen. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Here's the promise. Number one, God loves you. Some of you are in front of the barrier right now. You're in front. The dream expert has gotten you to a place that it ain't a dream. Remember, it's not about the dream. It's about how you walk through what is in front of you. I have to remind you this morning, God loves you. He loves you. How many, how many have forgotten that truth? You see, when you talk about where you are in your relationships, at work, in your marriage, when you, when you sit and you think like the Lord of all heaven and earth, when I'm walking through this tragedy, when I'm walking through the, he loves me. He thinks about me. It suddenly doesn't become about the thing that's right in front of you. It becomes about God. This is not my dream. This is more like a nightmare. Trust the process. The Lord loves you. If the Lord didn't love you, if you weren't his child, then you would just be a pawn, a cog in a wheel of some kind of grandmaster plan, but that's not the case. He cares infinitely for you. He cares for you. He loves you. It's a personal relationship. God loves you. How do we make it through these dreams, these barriers? Know that God loves you. Here's, here's the other one. I love this. Hebrews 13, five through six. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Well, man can do a lot. They can make my life a living hell. Ask my wife. <laughs> Ask my husband. I I'm not in a happy place. What can man do to you if the Lord is always with you? What can you actually walk through that debilitates you when the Lord is with you? Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a reason why the Apostle Paul was confident that he which hath begun a good work in him would perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're doing way too much in our own power. You're grieving in your own power this morning. You're struggling in your own will. When you realize that you're a child of God, he loves you and he's always with you, it just makes things possible. It just puts things in perspective where man really can't, they really can't touch you. You understand what I'm saying? They can, but they can't. There's an excerpt in the program that talks about the connection between Joseph and Jesus. 
we hear a similar theme in Peter's reflection on the death of Christ. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and he prearranged this plan that was carried out when Jesus was what? Betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross, you killed him, but God released him from the horrors of death, raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip. As the Roman soldiers were nailing Christ's hands to the cross, they were fulfilling God's plan of redemption. What they meant for evil, God meant for the salvation of the world. Joseph walked through every step of the dream for the salvation of his family. Listen, you have to be strong this morning because there are some who are weak. The world's salvation depends on your walking through the dream that God has for you and the purpose that God has for you. You have to understand that Jesus willingly laid down his what? His life for the salvation of the world. It's the same exact story of Joseph, just on a grander scale. Why are we as Christ followers unwilling to walk through the tough times of life for the promises of the future? It's hard, isn't it? It's not easy. When we celebrate an anniversary, when we talk about what God has done, when we talk about what God is going to do, two things to keep dreaming and avoid living nightmares. Are you ready? This is it. It's, oh my goodness, I'm over a few minutes. I'm shutting it down in, in three minutes. I promise. If the, listen, if you know the Lord and are his son or daughter, that's the caveat, you ready? If you know the Lord and are his son or daughter, how many of you know the Lord this morning? How many of you are a son and daughter of the Most High King? If... That's right. Here's what you got to know. Number one, bad. I'm going to try to correct some bad theology in our church and in every church. We all deal with it from time to time. Bad or hard times are not the devil winning, but rather the Lord using circumstances for his purpose and his glory. We have given the devil far too many, too many times we've given him far too much credit. Oh, I, I just... Me and the devil, we've been having these conversations. Excuse me? Like, he did this. He made me do this. He's getting an advantage in my life. I understand like going back to sin, but as an overall whole, the devil has no victory in your life. If you're a son and daughter of the Most High King, his victory is over you. His grace is over you. And when you walk through a tough time, stop saying, the devil's got me down. No, he doesn't. Absolutely not. Hey, let's, let's be a son and daughter that walks through a hard time that says, hey, guess what? I'm walking through a hard time, Lord. Lord, I know you see me. Lord, I know just like Joseph, just like Jesus. That Look, we live in a sin-sick world. If we can't walk through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff, then who's going to walk through the hard stuff? This is very simple. The gospel is, understand the delayed gratification here. If people don't have Jesus then all they have is what they have in this life. So we have Christians that say, I'm just going to go make as much money as I can and spend it all on myself. Because I'm only as happy as I am what? Right now. That's humanistic, and that's void of salvation and gospel understanding. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
but hard times that you walk through now, hard times that you go through could be the Lord's plan in your life so that someone else sees that, you know, they're going through a really hard time and they still have faith. They still have their dreams. They still have their joy. No one has taken that from them. What's different about them? Why aren't they chasing everything everybody else is chasing? Maybe because they're seeking first the kingdom of God. As, as Christians, how do you, how many know that, look, I, I've probably stepped on a few toes this morning. How many know you are not living what the Lord has for you in victory? You don't have to raise your hand, I'm just kidding. How many, yes! <laughs> I love you so much. Sometimes, I didn't think that one through. I already asked for hands raising and I was committed to it. <laughs> In your mind, think about the fact that, man, you, whew, that went off. In your mind, think like, have I really been living what the Lord has for me? Have I really been engaged? Or have hard times taken me out of the game? Those hard times, listen, it's not the devil winning. It's the Lord using circumstances for his purposes and, it's, and his glory. Has life been hard for you? Yeah. Has it been easy? No. But has it been worth it? This one's for Cody. You betcha. You betcha. It is worth it. Only what's done for Christ will last. I want to leave you with that. Bad, hard times are not the devil winning, but rather the Lord using circumstances for his purpose and his glory. And the last. Easy or good times are not the source of our joy, but rather the opportunity to rest and reflect on all God has done, is doing, and is going to do. If you're in a good season right now, if you're at the right hand of Pharaoh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You don't have to feel bad about the fact that you're in a good spot of the dream that the Lord has for you. But understand that those are there as an opportunity to rest, reflect on what God has done and what he's going to do. Here, here's what I'm getting at. Everybody look right here and we're finishing up by 1130. We've got this thing in our mind that we have to be happy and that our circumstances determine that. It couldn't be anything further from the truth. Your circumstances around you, if you're a Christian, if you know the Lord, if you have the gospel at the center of your heart, if you're a true Jesus follower, you could be walking through the valley of the shadow of death and still have your joy and still be happy. We would know how to have good times. When the, when the world has good times and good seasons in their marriage, this is life. This is everything. This is so good, right? You can just say, hey, the Lord has given me a season to reflect and to understand. But when you come out of that good times and into what? More bad times? Don't get mad at the Lord. Keep what? Dreaming. Don't lose sight. If you don't know Jesus then there is no context for this type of interpretation for your life in the dream paradigm. Accept him today. The gospel allows us to dream every day about what the Lord has for us rather than live in fear, shame, and guilt that the enemy uses. Let's be dream, expert, dream experts for the next five years. Hey, does it mean that we're not gonna walk through a hard season? No. Have the last five years been amazing? Yes. Have they been easy? No. What do the next five years hold? I have no idea, but I know one thing he I don't know right now, but I know he knows. I know he's holding my tomorrow. I know that if I just put my trust and faith in him, that he will carry me beyond the grave. If the gospel gives us that kind of hope, 
then why can't you have hope in the barriers and hope in the waiting right now? Oh, there comes the dream expert. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at Bethlehemchurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.